Claudia and Sean, the Turcots are here. Thank you Pretty. so much for Thank being on the show. Us. Now, both of y'all are very visible in the church. Sean, you play guitar for the Sunday 430. That's all right. Mass, right? And also for acts as well. Yes. And then Claudia, you're with the parish council. Mm-hmm. And you're also involved with the ladies acts. Yep. So we see you all over the place. Now it's time for us to get to know your story. Mm-hmm. Now, were you both originally from Houston? No. Claudia's the farthest away, so I'll <laughs> let her go first. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm actually originally from Asuncion, Paraguay. Paraguay. Mm-hmm, South America. Or how'd you get to the U.S. from Paraguay? My dad was a diplomat. So we okay. moved to Washington, D.C. when I was two months old. We lived there for the first 11 years of my life. And then we moved to Ecuador and Spain. Oh, wow. And then back to Paraguay. And then I came to the States to go to college. Wow. So wh- where did you spend your high school in Paraguay? In Ecuador. In Ecuador. Uh, with one year in Madrid, Spain. Mm-hmm. Wow. You've been all over the yeah. place, huh? Yes. And does, is the Spanish the same in all of those places? or there's No. The Spanish is really, really different from wow. place to place. Yep. It's kind of like the difference between English if, in Ireland and Scotland uh-huh. and, and Alabama and New York, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's very different. And can you, until now, can you still speak the different versions of Spanish there? I mean, I can. Yeah. The ones that, I've, that I'm familiar with. Yeah. The ones that you remember, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. Okay. And then, Sean, you... In, in Dallas, right? Yeah, just one language. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never learned Spanish? I didn't learn Spanish. I, I took it in school, but uh-huh. until I met Claudia and, and had to converse with a lot of her family who didn't speak English, uh-huh. uh, I didn't really learn much until then. So, so you actually can, really good. Really? Mm-hmm. So it's not just the curse words then, right? No. That was that's the first thing I learned. And I, that's how I worked my accent up. <laughs> yeah. So Her sister taught me those, by the way. So. Can you sing karaoke <laughs> in Spanish? I cannot sing karaoke in Spain. I cannot sing karaoke in any language. <laughs> That's why I play guitar. It's right. just guitar. <laughs> it's just guitar. You were never tempted to try and sing? Uh, only when nobody else can hear mm-hmm. me. Okay. Okay. Do you have any videos of that at home? Like, you know. Um, I do, but I would. he would kill me if I <laughs> made them public. <laughs> so where do you all meet? We met in Nacogdoches at Stephen F. Austin State University when we were in college. Okay, and then um, what did y'all take when you were there, if you don't mind me asking? Um, well, I, w- I got a bachelor's, uh, bachelor's degree in psychology and sociology, and uh-huh. then we went on to do master's. I did a master's coursework in community counseling. Yep, and I had uh, started in music. I thought I was going to be a rock star, so <laughs> did a couple of years of music, and then I shifted to geology and geography and went to geoscience route. Hey, you're a rock star here at St. Oh, Faustina's. Uh-huh. Right, he's still a rock star. Yeah, he's a rock star to me. Whenever too. you play, I can hear. I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's Sean right there. <laughs> yep. So, did you always learn to play the guitar ever since you were young? I, I started when I was about thirteen. Thirteen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so not super early. Yeah, about the time I got interested in girls. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, I have to say that he's self-taught. Really. No lessons. I took lessons first, right when I would, you know just first started. But other than that, it's just by ear. So how did uh, how did this love story start, the two of y'all? <laughs> um, Sean was in a rock band, and he had long hair down to his waist. And, oh wow! Yep. And I just happened to see he they his band played at a bar at a, you know, a in Nacogdoches. Yeah. Long story <laughs> short, yeah. <laughs> That's that is truth. awesome. Like really long hair. Really yeah, long. Yeah, it was unmanageably hair. long. Yes. It was beautiful. Very beautiful. So when you have long hair, is it straight or is it curly? I don't know. Mine was kind of it's, wavy. It's curly and wavy. Yeah. Curly and wavy. Oh. Yeah. That's wavy. Awesome. I guess cur- not curly, but wavy. It was beautiful. Beautiful. No man should have hair that good. <laughs> so so why is it not still long if it's that great? Well, I had to w- enter into the uh, corporate world and they were oh. too keen on the long hair. So yeah. Okay. And and then so that's how the two of you met. Mm-hmm. And then it just bloomed from there. It bloomed from there. And then, and then <laughs> surprises and all kinds of stuff. Along the way. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So let, let's get into that. So y- you two have a very interesting story. Where you, um, y- you two have you met each other, you were in the band, and then please tell us what, uh, how that progressed and what went on. Well, it was um, an <laughs> exciting time for us in school. We were young, crazy, uh-huh. um, you know, probably not living the best Christian lifestyle. I was not a Christian at the time. Um, oh, you're not? I was not. Mm-hmm. Um, how were you raised? 
I was raised um, with nothing really reinforced. So I had um, nothing was told to me, nothing was taught to me, but nothing was discouraged. Okay. I just never really, I never got into anything and never pursued anything when I was younger. So, How about you, Claudia? Uh, I was raised by devout Catholic people, conservative, you know, good, good Catholics that raised me in the church, raised me to love God. Um, but, uh, you know, I was not making the best choices when I was in college. I had kind of, um, you know, where my will and God's will separated, I pretty much went with my will. So I As was, many of I was, us do. Yeah, yeah, I was living a very hedonistic <laughs> life. Nobody could have looked at me and said, Oh, look, she's a Christian. Really? Absolutely nobody could wow. have said that about me. So, um, yeah, so Sean and I got together. I wasn't real worried about whether I was going to find a godly man. Pretty much my criteria was, like, am I attracted to him? So that was pretty much it. And um, I there don't recommend that. There he is on the that. guitar. And yeah. <laughs> Young ladies, I don't recommend that as being your criteria. But um, but for me, the Lord, you know, worked out, worked things out in spite of my sinfulness. So um, we began a relationship. Um, he, Like I said, he was agnostic. Um, and occasionally we would have conversations about religion, uh-huh. and I unfortunately was unable to um, really defend or explain anything about my beliefs. I really couldn't do it. And I think a part of Sean, I should let him tell this, but a part of him wanted to believe and, and wanted to have a spiritual life, and he was frustrated because... He, so sometimes some of his questioning was really kind of aggressive. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and I really couldn't couldn't back up my beliefs. Yeah, it was really aggressive in trying to challenging challenge. Okay, you know, challenging my beliefs, and and it really it was a, terrible because I couldn't back up anything that I believed, uh-huh. and I also wasn't really living what I believed either. So yeah, unfortunately, my experiences with Christians from when I was younger all the way through college, they were very. Um, I guess not very lovingly um, trying to tell me about Jesus. It was more of a telling me I was going to hell because of the way I was conducting my life. Okay, and, you know, I, I responded to that in in you know basically the same way. So it um, it wasn't a very loving. Um, I guess uh, when I was trying to find out about Christianity or what Christians believed, uh-huh. I didn't approach it in a very loving manner. It was more like solitarsis, actually. So, <laughs> wasn't the I wasn't the friendliest to get uh, towards Christians. I um, I used to you know challenge them on all kinds of things because I knew a lot of them didn't really know the answers to the questions that I would uh-huh. ask them. So, and a lot of it was you know you know I, I'm pretty steeped in science background, so. Those things were stumbling blocks for me as I was becoming a Christian and learning about Christianity. And I would talk to everybody and ask everybody questions about uh, the origins of life and the age of the earth and all these things, uh-huh. you know, where dinosaurs come from, you know, and a lot of people would just try to explain it away very, um, very simply. And uh, that just wasn't enough for me. And I met uh, a deacon and I met um, a priest who's Monsignor, retired now, but uh, they were instrumental in, in, um, in helping me along that journey and the poor guys, I dragged them over the coals on many, <laughs> many one-on-ones. And I, I met with a, um, with the Monsignor regularly, weekly, and uh-huh. we would have discussions about life on other planets to everything. And he was, he was just so awesome and, um, and such a loving, um, loving person that he, he drew me in. And he was exactly what Sean needed to be able to. Him. To become a Christian. Were you already together at this point? We were. Yeah, yep. that was how we ended up with him because um, we had been together for about six months when I got pregnant. So um, that was not what we were expecting. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and it really threw us for a loop. And I, I knew better. Um, I had always been theoretically pro-life. Uh-huh. Um, but then when I found myself in that situation, my knee-jerk reaction was like, I-, I need to fix this. I need to get rid of this situation immediately. You panic. And um, yeah, it yeah, was a panicky yeah. feeling. It we was reacted fearful. out of fear. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, Sean didn't really, like, why would he think there was anything wrong with that? He had no religious background. Uh-huh. N- nobody had ever talked to him about that. He didn't. He didn't have any reason. Yeah, it, was to think- a, it was an easy fix to our problem yeah. from what I... Between the two of us, I was the one that knew better, right? Uh-huh. But I didn't speak up about it. I just, I, in fact, I think that the suggestion probably came from me first. Um, so we we agreed that I would have an abortion, and um, we made an appointment. We were in Nacogdoches, so we had to come to Houston. Uh-huh. 
And um, we came to Houston. A friend came with us. And when we got there, there was like tons of, um, not tons, but a lot of people out there holding really graphic signs and, you know, protesting. Uh And it was just like so horrible and gut-wrenching. I just turned my eyes away. How old were you at this point? Uh, like 24? 24, yeah. Uh, I have to say, we were both slackers. So he was, you know, two years messing around with a music degree before he switched gears. Okay. And I was in and out. I was being prepared for ministry. That was yes. not just messing around. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, the Lord works everything for good, right? He works everything yes. for good. So, so we are probably older than we should have been, still in college. Um, but but we, still young and scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. And I mean, yeah. I had didn't have to. I was completely financially dependent on my parents, completely. Okay. And I'm, Sean was too. Yeah. I had just graduated and like zero prospects for a job. So neither one of us had two nickels rubbed together. So uh-huh. um, we went there and we stayed there all day long because um, you had to go through several hoops and go through a process. And I tried all day long to be able to go to talk myself into doing it um, to the point that the nurse was like, look, because when I went in the first time, she realized I wasn't ready. And so she's like, just let a few more people go. And then when you feel more ready, I'll call your name again. And Did I anyone tried. else know? Any family or friends know that just you were? Just my brother. My, I reached out to my brother. And what, what did he say? I basically just reached out for financial help from him. And uh, he was like, yeah, you know, I guess I'll help you. And then, you know, after, of course, we, the, the great thing about the story is we didn't end up doing it. Um, he he told me that he was glad I had some morals. So that was really kind of, um, yeah, you know, that really kind of hit home. It was like, wow, I hadn't but really, he, because he I hadn't thought about it. Talk you out life. of it before you went to the? No, he didn't clinic. really say anything. He was just, you know, trying to help me out of my, what I would perceive as a, uh, you know, bad situation in my life. So he was just being supportive, yeah. a supportive brother. And I'm sorry to cut you off, Claudia. Oh, Go no, ahead, continue. Okay. No, my parents, my parents were aware, and my dad told me, "I, I think you're doing the wrong thing." Right. So, um, but he didn't say you should not. He didn't put his foot down. No, I mean head. they they knew that ultimately I was going to be the one that lived with the consequences of either thing that I chose. Uh-huh. And they said, in this situation, we can't tell you what you should do. My dad said, but but I. I think you're making them, this is the wrong thing to do. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, at my age, I don't think he could have done more than that, right? He did what he did. He just let me know he didn't think it was right. So um, we went there. We went with a friend who's a Christian also, but okay. trying to be supportive. She went along with us. Uh-huh. So um, I tried twice, stayed there all day, you know, jumped through all their hoops, listened to their counseling, which was not counseling. Um, it was just really, we were just served up a tray of things that were not true. So they're trying to rationalize you doing it. Is that what they're trying to do? Yeah. And also telling, um, flat out lies about what, what we had, you know, what we were pregnant with. Oh, that it's not a human. Not not really real. It's, I mean, at this point it's a villi, whatever that means. (laughs) So, so yeah. So then, um, I came back out, you know, Sean had been there reading a magazine in the waiting room when I came back out and probably delivered the worst news he'd ever heard. I was like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do it. And he's like, okay. And he put his magazine down. I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, I just am not able to. So we left. What were you thinking at that that point? I was just shocked. You know, I was just trying to think, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a kid. And, you know, just not being prepared for that, scared already. And, Uh you know, those things that you look back on now, it's like, gosh, if you would just... You just want to slap your old self, you know? It's like, <laughs> I thought about that myself. Yeah, if I had a time machine, I could go back and slap myself. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I would have slap marks all over um, if I could go back. Um, but, yeah, we left. My friend, um, you know, the three of us piled back in the car and left. Uh-huh. And I was like, I mean, I just, I wasn't really happy with my, the only thing that happened was I couldn't go through with it, right? I wasn't happy that I couldn't go through with it. I really wanted to because I thought that's really? going to fix my, yeah. So I left. I was not happy about being pregnant. I did not want to have a child. I did not want to be anybody's mother, but I um, couldn't go through with, with what it would take for me not to be. So those people that were outside, you know, marching with the signs and everything, what kind of effect did that have? You know, it didn't, um, it just made me feel like a horrible feeling in my stomach. I think if there had been somebody out there that's, that had said, 
um, we're, we're here to help you. I know you're scared. Uh, and now when I go to pray outside of abortion clinics, uh-huh. those are the kind of people that are out there. And in fact, I've prayed, my friends and I have prayed with a post-abortive woman that walked out of there. She walked out and we prayed with her. There was no judgment, none of that. Uh-huh. Um, and I think if, if I had had supportive voices like that, maybe I wouldn't have even walked in. I'm not sure. Like I can't say for sure, but uh-huh. I can say that those graphic, real graphic signs and, and, and what I encountered that day, didn't keep me from going in there. It just made uh-huh. me just feel sick. So the signs were like pictures of aborted very, babies. Very and graphic. All of, oh gosh. So, and you know, for me, that wasn't as that woman who was going into an abortion clinic. Uh-huh. That just wasn't helpful. But I, I will say, I do believe that those things sometimes do have a place in the pro life movement because I think sometimes people, um don't know exactly what abortion is. Uh-huh. So they're very lackadaisical about it, very indifferent. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I feel like you have to be confronted with the truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to dismiss the that. reality of it. But just not there for I think, that I think person. for a woman yeah. that's in that position or a couple that's in that position, I don't think that's the way to reach them in that moment. Okay. But I, I don't completely discount that. Okay. So. so when you walked out, now you're looking ahead we're going to be parents. Mm-hmm. What are yeah. we going to do? What What's going through your head? What, what are your next steps? I think I sat in silence for probably a couple hours just trying to think, gosh, what do I do now? I'm going to be a dad. What am I going to do? Yeah. How, yeah, because like you both said, you, you had no income yet at that mm-hmm. point. Exactly. We had no income. And what we did have, um, whatever we could scrounge up, went to beer and cigarettes. Like that's the kind of life that we were living. Yeah. You know, if he had five dollars, he put like two in his gas tank and then use the rest for some cheap beer. You know, I mean, we were. Not, I'm sure people were looking. That at was us the like, life. Yeah, people were looking at us going, "Oh my gosh, they're gonna be taking care of somebody else." Yeah. I mean, we were just not. You know, we were about partying and, uh-huh. you know, just having fun. So this was not on the menu at all. What happened with the rock band? Did you? St- Still stick with it? So the you know, the rock band kind of fell apart before this. So okay. guys that actually got their act together, they graduated college and actually went on to, you know, work somewhere. Yeah, I was still stuck in the uh, you know, having fun in college thing. So Okay. And then so the the two of you you get married. And Well, yeah, but there's a lot that happened before then. Really? Yeah, because um we went back home. You know, he wasn't happy about it. I wasn't happy about it. Okay. And I think he was really scared. And he told me, he's like, I don't think I want to be with you anymore. Oh, really? And I was like, well, okay. If I, I, I was thinking to myself, if I could run away from this, I would too. So, uh-huh. um, but I think that was his knee jerk reaction. He was, a, he's a good, decent human being, even uh-huh. without God. I've always said, even without God, he was a better human being than I was with God. Right. He's just a, basically a decent, good man. And so even at that stage of his life, um, he ultimately probably knew he couldn't walk away. That, that just wasn't right. As a man, mm-hmm. you don't walk away from something like that. You know, mm-hmm. you made your bed. Now you got to lay in it. Yeah. So yeah. I think this was one of my first experiences with I'm handing this over to a creator, something bigger than myself and going to let that guide me rather than me guide me. Okay, And that was one of my first experiences, I think, where I had, because I did know God. I didn't know God as Jesus. I believed in God. I believed that there was a a creator. Uh But um, I think this was the first instance in my life where I actually acknowledged that deeply and said, take over, Lord, because I messed up. This is not in my hands. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I need more than what I can do. Mm -hmm. So after that initial reaction, uh, what happens? Well, then we, I guess, decide that we are going to get married. Uh-huh. And once again, I don't think he was real thrilled about it. And I felt horrible that he wasn't more excited. You know, a girl's dream is to feel cherished and, and valued and loved. And this poor guy was stuck in the situation looking at me going, great, you know, <laughs> now what? <laughs> and um, so that was hard. That was hard. Um, we decided to get married. So we went and saw, I don't even know how, we went to the Catholic Church. Uh-huh. Right? Because that's where we were going to get married. And we met this this priest, Father Young, Monsignor Young. And he was exactly what, what we needed. You know, we were not in a good situation. I was pregnant. We were living together. Um, Sean was not a Christian. It was just a, a whole, everything was wrong with our situation. Uh-huh. And we went to him and he 
I don't know how he managed to do this. It's such a blessing because we would probably not be Catholic today. We would have gone to some other church if not for him because he managed to uh, let us know that this was not, our situation was not right and he didn't approve and it wasn't okay, Uh but still was willing to work with us to bring us into the church. Wow. So I think he is the reason that we have a sacramental marriage, that we have four children that we are raising in the church that we want with all our hearts to be godly children, to find godly spouses, and to be godly spouses to someone someday, right? And I I really credit whatever finesse he had, whatever guidance from the Holy Spirit he had to handle our messed up situation. I mean, we waddled to marriage prep. You know, we, I waddled to marriage prep, you know, all, you know, with our little, you know, papers, filling out our papers. It's uh-huh. like, here I am, we're having a baby and we're filling out these, you know, are we compatible and stuff like that. Yeah. A lot of the questions in the marriage prep was kind of funny. It's kind of like, you know, how, do you agree to, mm-hmm. you know, are you going to have children? Like, <laughs> Check. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of yeah. them that we could just kind of, ba- you know, bypass. And <laughs> uh, so, so what about uh, you, Sean? Like yeah. you were not a Christian, yeah. but now you're looking at, Entering the Catholic Church, was there any? Yeah. So, like I said um, earlier, you know, my my attitude towards Christians not always the best, and yes, and, and um, you know, I didn't have too much patience for. for so, how'd you um, get from there that. to? Well, Claudia, entering. I I, um, I definitely give the the um, the props to Claudia. She, as she liked to say, she didn't say she was the best Christian, but she was exactly the person that I needed at that time when I was seeking because she showed me. How Christians can be loving, accepting, uh, not judgmental, and those things were not really what I had encountered before. And so I got enough interest to um, talk to Father Young, Monsignor Young, and um, he said, "Well, why don't we just start meeting weekly?" And uh, we did. We started. We started having like hour-long discussions, and um, he just—I think—he used about everything on us. He saved our. He saved us, got us into a um, sacramental marriage. He saved me, um, bringing me into the Catholic faith. Uh-huh. He, he's just, um, just I, I, I give the credit to him and to Claudia. Is he one of those that you you kind of debated with? Yes. Asking all those yes, questions? Yes, the poor guy. I drug him over the coals. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he was one of those. And you did say that there were some deacons as well. Yes, I, there was a, a deacon, Deacon Bill, who... Um, Bill Kennedy, he became my RCIA sponsor. I went through RCIA, uh-huh. and um, he was just a um, larger than life. I mean, he was a DEA agent, so he's like you know the knocking down doors of drug houses uh-huh. and stuff like that. Just a really interesting <laughs> character, and he also was a music minister. He played guitar in our church, and um, he's the one who handed me my first set of um, mass parts uh, for guitar and said, "Here, learn this." And I was like, "Okay." What um, parish was this? Sacred Heart in Nacogdoches. Okay. And then is th- that's how you started serving at church? Well, I, I started serving at church when we relocated to Plano, but he's the one that I, I say is instrumental in, in getting me interested in music ministry. Because I watched him play. He was a really cool guy. And uh, I just got, you know, kind of the bug there. So, Is it is it different for you seeing him I mean, it's totally different. You used to see him in a rock band with a long hair up on the stage, right? Yeah. And then now you're watching him serve at mass. Yep. How how different is that for, for you on the inside? You know, I've never really thought about that. Uh, to me, it's just that's the gift that God gave him. And he, you know, he he is in his element and happiest when he is playing his music. And I love I love to see him do that, no matter what, wherever he is. I love that he uses his gifts to serve God. That's what we're all called to do. Um, but to be real honest with you, I don't watch him at mass. Really? No, I don't. I'm I'm focusing on the tabernacle and on what's happening at the altar. I try really hard not to be distracted. But it was kind of hard at the at the school because uh-huh. he was like right in my periphery, and you know I'd be tempted to look over. But really, I try to focus on what's going on up there. I mean, I'll tell you, as as somebody who's served with you in the you know the music ministry, when I hear that guitar, I, sometimes I just have to look. Wow, yeah, that is something else. Yeah, when I hear it, you're in your element and you've got it going, it's it's amazing. It's giving me goosebumps just yeah. thinking oh, about he it. He truly has a Thanks, gift. Brother. And then you, Claudia, 
I can't look at you when we're singing sometimes because sometimes you're crying. And yeah, I, it just it's gets really weird. <laughs> I, I'm not a crier. Ask him. I, I am not a crier. Like, I don't cry in my normal life. Uh-huh. I've been very blessed where I haven't really had a lot I've had to cry about. And I just am not an emotional person, but I am when I come to Mass uh-huh. and I'm in the presence of Jesus Christ or I'm receiving His body, blood, soul, and divinity. I mean, if I'm not going to cry there, then I'll never cry. I mean, it's just very moving for me. It's very, very moving. I love the way that she experiences Mass. It's inspiring to me um, as a new Christian, newer Catholic, to see how she would experience that. And it's just, it's very inspiring. It is. It is. Now, getting back to your story. So, you get married, and then you, you have your eldest Right, and it's a girl, right? No, we have our eldest, and then we get married. You have your eldest, and then you get married. Yes, she was three months old. Okay, she She was was at our wedding. Yeah, she was. She was in the cry room. Yeah. (laughs) So you have your eldest, and her name is Taylor. Taylor. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you have Taylor, and then you're you're married, Mm -hmm. and then then you then it just moves on from there. Is that how it moves on? And it it. It became such a beautiful thing from that moment. Actually, the moment that when we got back from our, you know, trip to Houston, um, and we went on government assistance for medical care, we didn't have any money. Um, but they, they did a sonogram and I saw that, uh, that, um, clump of cells, that villa. Uh huh. And it was a beautiful, tiny little person. Mm-hmm. I just, my heart just melted right there. I was done. Uh-huh. I was like, this is not a tragedy that I should be crying about. This is my destiny. And what I, what I need to be doing now is focusing on that person and this person. Yes. And that set, that set the course right there. And then your second, how, how many years apart? Three, three, three years and like three mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so the, the, then you have a gap, right? Yeah. You've got a large gap. You've got two batches of yeah, kids. Yeah, we do, yeah. So how many years of gap is that? So six years from the second girl to the third girl, and then another three years to the boy. So yeah. fourth kid ends up being I, I always boy, knew so. when I had two, the two, I always knew I wanted more. Okay. But I just, um, just was kind of scared to because it was a lot, so... One day, I just kind of looked around. I thought, my gosh, she's five years old. If I don't hurry up, you know, I mean, this is going to, they're going to be old, you know. Uh And then, and then I ended up having um, our third, Violet. And then I realized the minute I had her, I realized she's going to be an only child if I don't give her a younger sibling. Uh So that's how we ended up with four kids. (laughs) (laughs) And the fourth was the boy. Yes. We had so many friends that had like three girls and a boy. I was like, come on, it's a shirt. Yeah. And I didn't, I was not, I was not expecting, like I was fine with another. I, in fact, I was kind of scared to get a boy. Really? Because I'd had three girls, so I knew what the deal was with girls. And I was really not, I mean, I would have been totally fine with another girl. But as I frequently tell him, if I'd only known, I would have wanted to have 10 of you because he is, ah. <laughs> he's a sweetie. So at what, po- what point did you, uh, at what point did you move to Houston? So we moved to Houston in 2000. 2000. Yeah. yeah. So between which kids? Uh, so was, we only had two when we moved yeah. here. We had, uh, Tay was five and Alex was two. And then what parish did you guys attend at that point? At St. Jerome. We started at St. Jerome. Mm-hmm. We and were there for about a year. Okay. And then we moved over to St. Cecilia, and we were there for eight years. Okay. And did you play guitar at both? I did, mm-hmm. yeah. I, every time I tried to take a break, so I played in Houston, in uh, Dallas as well in Plano. We were at uh, St. Elizabeth and Seton. And I uh, served in, in music ministry there. And then when we came to Houston, I was like, I think I'm going to take a break, you know, just to I want to sit in, in uh, the pews with you guys. And, with your family, yeah. Yeah, and um, I think the first Mass at St. Jerome, they came out and they were like, uh, we're in need of guitar players for music ministry. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, Lord. So I went up and talked to him afterwards, and I ended up serving there for a couple of years, or a little more than a year, I believe. And um, and then we moved from there to St. Cecilia. And again, I said, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to sit with you guys. And <laughs> that same mass, I, I, you know, the Lord calls me every time. He does not mm-hmm. let me have a break. I get no <laughs> vacations. So uh, uh, there was another announcement at mass. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm not taking any more breaks. I'm yours <laughs> until I can't play anymore. 
God keeps telling you, this guy's an awesome guitar player. Yeah. I got to keep nudging him towards yep. playing with <laughs> So we met at, at, Epiphany. at Epiphany. So uh, how many years before you guys started attending Mass at Epiphany? Goodness, what was it? It's, it's, we started attending there, what, when we, well, right when we moved here, which was yeah, 2009. Yeah, we moved here in 2000. So we were there in 2009. We were there for, what, five years? Yeah. And then we came. Um, I'd been gone all summer. And then when I came back, there was a new parish that had opened up. And we thought, well, we'll just visit, right? We'll visit. And we came to the very first Mass. And I think we never left. That was it. Yeah, I, I still remember Father Dad's homily for that first Mass. It's just one of those home run homilies yeah. of Father Dad. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is, I mean, and you could feel the energy yes. yeah. in, in the parish as well. You could and feel I, I remember it. driving home from that, and our kids were in the back talking about the homily. I'm like, this has never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> Usually they're just happy to get out of there and didn't have to listen to it anymore. But they were actually talking about what Father Dad was talking about. And I, I think we just knew right then. This is our this is our parish. Mm-hmm. Now you said you'd come back. You were you were on vacation. Oh, because I would go back to my native country to Paraguay pretty much every summer until it, my oldest went to college, and then it started to get harder because paying for college oh, pretty yeah. much takes money of your <laughs> extra money. So it got more challenging for us to go every year, but we we still went, just not as often. So that's where I was, and then I came back, and we said, let's just visit, see how it is, and we the rest is history. How's your your family's all there in Paraguay? Most of my family, almost all of them, I have a smattering of relatives on both sides that have come immigrated to the U.S. And then more recently, my brother and his wife and children, they moved to, they're in, living in New York. So I get to see him and his family pretty frequently. And uh, how about you, Sean, brothers have, and sisters? Yeah, so my brother is in Missouri City and my mom is in um, um, League City. League City. Okay, and that brother of yours, did did your conversion to Catholicism influence him in any way? I, maybe he went, you know, totally divergent because of that. He became a Jew. Okay. He converted to Judaism. I converted to Catholicism. So <laughs> we have some really great Thanksgiving um, conversations. That is that's <laughs> it, very interesting. It is interesting. nice because we get to experience a lot of the, um, the things from that faith that are rooted in our faith. Yes, like yes. We, we have a Seder dinner that we'll, we'll um, do with them and— you know, it's it's incredible the symbolism and, mm-hmm. and things that are, um, you know, Old Testament that that are brought to life through that uh, ceremony that we look at and say this is the, you know, there's there's so much there that is within our faith that we just don't we don't really know we don't experience that so. Wow, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, did you all ever think that you'd be this involved in parish life, looking? Back up uh, the way you guys used to. I can tell you when we were in college, definitely not. But uh. <laughs> no, and I I went through many years of my life where I did not want to be Catholic, and really? my husband kept me in the church because I wanted to go to um, a fun Protestant church that had like smoke machines and you know lights and Neon you figured lights. I would really be up for that. And um. <laughs> it was exciting, and it has a, had a dynamic pastor with a great personality and. <laughs> Lots of fellowship. You know, I was a uh, cradle Catholic who was uncatechized or improperly catechized. I did not mm. know my faith. Not only did I not know anything about being a Christian or defending the Christian faith, but more specifically, I could not have defended Catholicism at all until my 40s. I'm 51. So this is like a, a very relatively new thing. And I spent a lot of time praying to God and saying, God, where do you want me? I don't like this church. I'm quote unquote, not getting anything out of it. Uh And the horrible phrase, I'm not being fed, which is just such a, it's just so ironic to say that about the Catholic faith, right? Uh So, because you're receiving manna from heaven every time you go to mass. Yes. Um, So I prayed for a long time and asked God to lead me to the church I was supposed to be at. But of course... Also, being under my husband's leadership, he would say, look, I don't think this is good for our kids. Like, we need to stay in our church. Like, I'd say, let's go visit, you know, fill in the blank, where uh-huh. I was having Bible study, Protestant Bible study. And um, he'd say, well, we can visit, but I, uh, no, we were Catholic and we need to stay in the Catholic church. So How close would, did you get to actually leaving? Well, I would not have left because he, you know, I'm under my husband's 
leadership, and he would not have been okay with it. So, and I knew on some level, I knew that that's not good for kids. It's really not. You need to be united in everything, mm-hmm. but particularly in spiritual matters, you need to be a united front. So, I stayed, and and the Lord answered my prayers, brought me really, I had prayed for really godly friends, and he brought me, like, my house is in between two amazing Catholic women who are very devout and very knowledgeable in their faith. Both of their dads are deacons. Oh. And um, and my house is, like, pretty much just right in between them, and, and that— you know, she invited me to Bible study. I didn't want to go to Catholic Bible study. I didn't think I was going to learn anything at Catholic Bible. I knew everything because I'd been in Protestant Bible study for 15 years. Okay. And I knew everything. And Catholics don't know the Bible, and they weren't going to know anything. And, you know, it's it's very – I mean, I don't believe me. I'm embarrassed to admit that now that I had that, that prideful attitude when I uh-huh. went. And it's been a very humbling experience because Catholicism is – I mean, it is – I can now that I know what I know, I could never walk away. I mean, the human side of the church is messed up. We've got some serious issues <laughs> in the church, but I could not. There's no way I could walk away. I have to stay. What about you, Sean? Was there any point where she came close to convincing you when she was at that point? Of- well, you know, a lot of the, the rock and roll churches are fun, and you know, of course, that's that's kind of appealing. <laughs> but um, as I as I started to um, get into apologetics and understand kind of deeper meaning of our faith. Um, I suddenly saw this immense well that you, there's no way you're going to get to the bottom of it. There's just going to be so much that you, you can always learn and always, um, expand and, and, um, you know, feed and and grow. And, um, I just realized that, um, there's no other faith that has what we have in the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. You can't get that anywhere else. And how can you walk away from that when you've had it? When you have it, so yeah. your story of almost aborting your your oldest. How do you talk to her about that? That's a really interesting question. It was it was really hard um, because we, you know, it's not something you really want to tell your child. Uh-huh. But at the same time, other people knew about it, so there was always the possibility that she was going to find out. Yes. And and I thought, oh my gosh, how horrible that she would find out from someone else. That yes. would be awful. Yeah. So, yes. so we, we, the first semester that she came home from college, we just, we sat her down and talked to her about it. I remember we went to a, um, an event where Father Frank Pavone from, uh, Priest for Life was speaking. And he, um, we, I went up and talked to him afterwards and I, I told him our, our story and, you know, just in a nutshell and, and told him that we were, you know, conflicted about telling her. And he said, you know, um, a lot of the time the kids already know uh, there's a chance that she may already have a feeling because I think she witnessed us all of a sudden getting really interested in pro-life um, issues and, and talking about it a lot. And uh-huh. she was kind of, I think, maybe had a little clue or something that, that um, you know, something was there that um, it kind of, I guess that kind of, that kind of puts over the, um, the edge that, okay, we need to tell her, we need to let her know, so... And, and she can do the math too. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's extremely perceptive. Like you can't put anything mm. past her. When she was four, she had a friend that told her that um, the Easter Bunny wasn't real, and uh-huh. so she immediately said, "Well, if the Easter Bunny's not real, neither is Santa or any of the other Tooth Fairy. None of that stuff." Uh-huh. I mean, she immediately made that connection. <laughs> was she like so, four? Yeah, she was probably four, yeah. maybe three. So you just couldn't put anything over on her. So we, I, I had for years had had that feeling that I need to say something to her before this blows up in her faces. And how did how did you say that? Yeah, we both just we got together <laughs> and we sat her down and and told her basically our story and um, you know what happened and um, you know that we almost did something horrific. And uh-huh. um, I think that really cemented in her the. Um, the spirit of I've got to do something about this too to mm-hmm. stop other people from it because I was almost one of those numbers of um, yes. children that are not born because of this atrocity, and she got very involved in um, in pro life movement at uh, Texas A and M. Yeah, pro life Aggies. And what about your other kids? Uh, the other kids, I think they just they knew about the story because we got very in life uh, involved in pro life, uh-huh. and um, they just always kind of knew. Um, the the story there, and uh, we haven't really had in depth conversations with them about you know, you know that that time in our life and things. But they did know 
they knew about their sister. They know. And they know that, well, if sister hadn't have made it, then I wouldn't be here either. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's true. None yeah. of them would be. And yeah, who knows? You, you probably would have gone completely different paths. We totally would have gone our separate ways. Yeah, definitely. I think I had told him, you know, after we do this, um, I don't ever want to see you again. Wow. And I think he was probably very relieved to hear that. He probably wanted to wash his hands of the whole thing, too. But wow. it's when I said, I'm not going to be able to, if I do this, I'm not going to be able to be around you anymore. So this is probably it. Thank you for accompanying me. But after that, right? Yeah. And I think he was probably glad. He was like, I wasn't glad. I don't need to hear from her anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean. I mean, if you think of all of the dominoes that fell from that one decision. Yeah. Like, you know, I've you, thought about that a lot. I think about that a lot. I think about that almost pretty much every day of my life. I mean, not just with your family, but also, you know, how your music touches people in mass, mm-hmm. you know, or, or you being part of the Paris Council now. All of that wouldn't have happened had you that one decision. Wow. Yeah. That one decision changed. I mean, I, I think, I think it's possible that, you know, when I go on to my final home, that I will see the alternative, you know, the path that I, and I, I really feel like it, my life would have been a disaster. It would have been a disaster because I, it would have been very hard for me to live with myself. Uh-huh. I'm really hard knowing what I knew. I mean, I, I had full knowledge of what I was doing. So, um, I'm, I'm very grateful every day for the way that our, our lives have turned out. It's really that one decision. You know, the Holy Spirit would not allow me to do that very gently. You know, it was a very gentle voice, but it was persistent. Uh-huh. And um, and that one decision changed everything for me. That is when my life just got really, really, really good. Yep. You know, I, I remember seeing a picture of you with, with your eldest, and she had a sign, something like, I think I, was, I survived abortion. or My I, mom's uh, abortion appointment. There you go. Yeah. We we try to, It's it's been a real blessing because we try to go to... Um, the March for Life every year. I think uh-huh. the first time we went was uh, in Austin. And after that, we've tried to go to DC every year. And it's been a really special thing. And, and our sign really tends to really touch people. Uh, it's a real eye opener because you're seeing a real person that would not be here if not for abortion. And she, she's happy to be here, uh-huh. right? She's glad that she was born. And I think pretty much everybody is. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing that we get to do. We went once, the first time we ever went, went, we went as a family. We only had three children and Violet was in a backpack yep. pretty much the whole time. So we went as a whole family and, but the kids were like, the girls were pretty young to know uh-huh. exactly what was up. So, but I mean, it takes a lot of courage to do that to go there with that sign and say, I almost did it's this. It's pretty funny because we went viral and I have to say, I've got a sense of humor and the things that people were writing about us, these two welfare queens and all, I mean, just like in the comments, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think that's funny in the comments, <laughs> in the comments, people were being so ugly and, and like, imagine wow. being stupid enough to tell your child you almost killed them. And so, you know, people, yeah. but wow. you know, I don't, I mean, I try to live my life for an audience of one and that's God. Yes. So I, that didn't really, I mean, I just found it funny. I kind of scrolled through there for entertainment, um, but there was also a lot of supportive things too. People said a lot of nice things, but it did, it went viral. I don't know who, I can't remember who shared it. Somebody that kind of had a following uh-huh. and, um, and it went from there. And I'm sure we're all over, like if you Google us, I'm sure that's all out there. I mean, it, it takes a lot of courage to do that. To, to, I mean, just to come here and tell your story. You know, you could have easily just stayed quiet and not shared your story and said, okay, you know, because I, I, you all know that I also have a, a, a daughter out of marriage. Mm-hmm. And when I tell people about it, there's a sense of embarrassment on my part, you know, and, and for you two to come out and say, we almost did this horrible thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes a lot of courage. Yeah. I, you know, I've seen so many instances of my Catholic and Christian brothers being opening themselves up and being vulnerable and letting people know that they're not perfect and that through God there is perfection and that's what you're to emulate and try for. But we trip and fall and, hey, that's humans. And yeah, there's, there's a road back. There's a road. There's a road back. And you can change and you can turn your life around. I that. honestly have to, I have to shout it from the rooftops. Like I, I have to say what the Lord's done for me. I have to. And I want, like, I want people to be encouraged. I want people to believe. I want people to know about the Lord and, and what he can do. And that he has taken all the stuff that I messed up so bad 
um, and has worked it for good in my life. So I have to share my testimony. I can't be quiet about it. So y'all have an interesting story about your second daughter. Could mm-hmm. you tell us about that? Yeah, she. Um, we moved to Plano, and shortly thereafter, um, decided we wanted to have another baby. So uh, I got pregnant really quick. Um, and a few weeks into my pregnancy, I want to say it was like maybe a 13-week checkup, um, the nurse called me and said, uh, your daughter has tested positive for markers for Down syndrome. Oh, and yeah, we they called us on a Friday, like at four, so it was impossible for us to get back with them to find out, hey, wait, what are you guys talking about? So uh-huh. we were left the whole weekend worried as can be, not able to talk to anybody. It was awful. Yeah. Um, she said, we need to talk. So we need to talk about, about what that means. Okay. So of course I was completely distraught. I was so upset. And we went in and they're like, well, you know, we need to do this type of test and that type. I think we did do like a, an, um, like a higher resolution ultrasound, which back then they didn't have the, all the great ones that they do now. Yes. So we did one of those and the doctor said, you know, I can't rule it out. It doesn't look like it. She looks good, but I can't really rule it out. What you really need to do is have an amniocentesis. And I said, well, what would that involve? And he said, well, it involves putting a long needle into your abdomen and taking out some amniotic fluid. And he's, and I was like, well, well, what about the baby? And he's like, well, you know, there is some risk to the baby. And I was like, well, then uh-huh. I don't, I don't need to know. I mean, it won't change anything. Um, we want her. We know that the Lord doesn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. He will send us exactly the child that we're supposed to have in exactly the condition that we're supposed to have him or her. So we're going to trust the Lord for this journey. And, um, you know, they, I think they kind of thought we were weird, um, which is really sad, but, um, uh, we, we trusted the Lord. I did a lot of praying. I did, I tried to prepare. I read some books on Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just said, Lord, I'm going to trust you. If I have a baby with Down syndrome, that's the baby that you were, you were wanting to send me and I'm going to trust you. And thank God Sean is a new Christian, a new believer. He just didn't waver. He was like, yeah, a hundred percent. I'm with you. Did not waver. And, um, it just really, of course, she was born, you know, she did not have Down syndrome. Uh huh. But had she, it wouldn't have changed a thing. And, and it's, it grieves my heart because some countries have, you know, quote unquote, eliminated Down syndrome. Yes. And the way they eliminate it is by aborting babies with Down syndrome. And, or who they just suspect. They, or they suspect yeah. many, many times, um, that it ends up being wrong. And I just think, oh, how horrible. This is such a gift from the Lord. It is just really, really tragic. And, um, uh, we are so grateful. All four of our children are quote unquote healthy, but we trust the Lord for, for everything. And I was so grateful that my husband being a new believer, a new Christian, having a very young faith life uh-huh. was just like rock solid. It it's amazing that you go from just a few uh-huh. years earlier <laughs> yeah. to almost aborting your eldest yeah. to a few years after that. Just no, we're not going right. to, even if there's a chance that this child has Down syndrome. I think at that point in my life, I had in that short stretch, I had already been cemented in me that, mm-hmm. Lord, whatever you hand me, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. I'm going to take it and I'm going to, I'm going to make the best of whatever you hand me mm-hmm. and I'm going to give the glory to you for it. That's amazing. That is amazing. What would you say to uh, a young girl who is contemplating abortion? Oh my gosh. Don't do it. Don't do it. You will never regret choosing life, but most people regret, no matter what they say, most people live with a terrible sense of regret. And there are so many people out there willing to help, so many resources of people that want to help a young, you know, a woman who's in that position. But you will never regret choosing life for your child. And, you know, not everybody is ready to parent. That's why there's adoption. So... I would just emphatically encourage anybody in that situation, look up and look around. There's so many people willing to help. You will not be alone and you can do it. And it's amazing how the Lord just provides. I mean, literally, we he did not have a job. Mm-hmm. He had just graduated. Meanwhile, there's our, our oldest daughter, like in September before she graduated, she graduated, she was panicking because she didn't have a job. And I was like... 
what? It's September. And he graduated graduated and he's like, well, I guess I've graduated. Now I should start looking for a job. That's how different we were. For the longest time, I was like, we came home with the wrong, this is not our child. Like we, somebody got our slacker baby. I mean, and and we took somebody's genius because this is not our, you know, she's very different. And Uh um, I don't know where I was going with that, but no, I do know. The Lord provided we, he didn't have a job. Um, we were in Nacogdoches. Uh, prospects were not good, but the Lord just provided every step of the way. We was we were only on public assistance for probably a year, um, and we were able to get off of it, get private health insurance, and just little by little, the Lord worked it out. What about you, Sean? What yeah. would you say to a father who's up, who's scared and wants to abort? Yeah, yeah. Well, that is that fear is real, and um, I. I lived it. I, I know it. And um, the the important thing is to focus on what your your role in this world is. And you know, bad things may happen to you, or unforeseen things may happen to you. Um, you can't fix things by making a worse decision. If you if you make a decision that um, you think you were um, just trying to get out of something or in this case where I you know, just wanted it to go away, uh-huh. um, I could have put myself on a course that was so much more destructive and, and there's no telling where I would have ended up. And that, um, like I said, that was really one of the first instances where I kind of gave it over to God and said, please take over my life because I am way out of control. And when I did that, the path just opened up and things just started to fall in place and beautiful things started to happen. And I don't think that if I had chosen the other one, it would have been anywhere near the same course for me. I need to add something for anybody that might be faced with an an unexpected pregnancy or if you know someone who is. I was not... um, Pretty much the entire time I I was pregnant, I was not happy about it. I did not want to be anybody's mom. It's not like somebody flipped a switch and I was like, yay, you know, I'm pregnant. I'm going to have a baby. I know I had to fake it till I made it. I, every day I sang to my unborn baby every day. I said, I love you. Um, because I wasn't feeling it and I wanted to make sure that she didn't get any negative, negative vibes from me. But I can tell you, don't make decisions based on how you feel. Feelings come and go. You know, I was not feeling it. I didn't want to be pregnant. I didn't want to be a mom, but I was. So I dealt with my reality. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful that I did not make any decisions based on how I was feeling because I would not have had my child. So I think it's important just because you don't feel a certain way. It's okay. You'll get there. We thank you guys so much for sharing this this powerful story, very inspiring story. And, and we hope that um, your story will, you know, will help encourage other people to to take a braver step. That's my prayer. So. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, it's a pleasure.